This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. This is Bishop Rob Wright, and this is Four People, a special edition. Today's guest is State Senator Kim Jackson, a state senator in the state of Georgia. She represents the 41st District, and she's also an Episcopal priest and a priest of the Diocese of Atlanta. Kim, we're glad to welcome you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Bishop. It's good to see you. Yeah, you and I have been colleagues for a long time, and I've been so excited that, uh, that your proclamation of the gospel has taken you underneath the gold dome. Uh, to talk about faith and justice. It's so, so important, and we can never lose track of how those two are part and parcel of one another. Absolutely. I very much believe that this is an extension of my calling as a pastor and a priest, is to, to bring the gospel uh, in those ways to the Capitol. And tell us where you're presently serving right now uh, as, a, as priest. That's right. So I'm the vicar of the Church of the Common Ground, which serves people who are experiencing homelessness in downtown Atlanta. And and so you leave that context and you go underneath the gold dome. That's right. I actually go from across the street where people are sleeping to inside of the gold dome every day. Right. Right. And you were sworn in this past January. Is that right? That's right. All right. Very, very exciting. So so why we wanted to have you on and to have this special edition, this breaking news edition, if you will, is because of the legislation that just got passed in the state of Georgia last week. Right. Uh, where uh, Governor Kemp signed into law uh, some big changes uh, in how Georgia is going to vote. So so give us a sense of that. What, what's in this bill? Yeah, so we have a 98-page bill, so there's a lot of things in it, but I do think it's important to name that not everything that we hear in social media is in it. Um, so maybe I should talk about what we still have. Great. Um, we do still have no excuse absentee ballot voting. So you don't have to be a certain age in order to get an absentee ballot. You don't have to have an excuse. That still remains. The difference is now that you do have to have an ID. Um, what you'll have to do is put that ID card um, number down. If you do not have an ID, um, they did hear some of our cries and pleas about that. If you don't have an ID, then you have to list your birth date and the last four digits of your social security number. So um, gone are the provisions. Early on, there was a lot of talk about, I'm going to have to make a photocopy of my ID. That's gone unless you have an out-of-state driver's license or out-of-state driver ID. Then, then you do have to make a copy of that. But for the overwhelming majority of Georgians, uh, it will not require a photocopy of an ID. Okay, that's um, great. All right. Yeah. So, so that's something that we do still have Sunday voting. Um, that was another thing that people were concerned about was the elimination of souls to the polls. Um, Sunday voting is still there. It's safe and, and, and provided for us. Why is that important, Kim? So, so souls to the polls, Sunday voting has been um, has been a real hallmark for oftentimes metro areas, uh, Fulton County, DeKalb County, and many majority African American churches will have church on Sunday morning, and then they'll have buses outside waiting to take souls to the polls um, mm. as an extension of our faith. Right, understanding that civic engagement is a part of us living into the fullness of our faith. And so Souls to the Polls historically um, has been utilized by a lot of African-Americans to vote on that day. But it's also really important to our Orthodox, our Jewish Orthodox communities as well. So Saturday voting 
which we have and is still there. And now is actually mandatory that we have at least one Saturday in all 159 counties. Uh, but Saturday is the holy day for Orthodox Jews. And so they couldn't vote on Saturday. So Sunday has been their default as well. So it's good that we have preserved Sunday voting um, as well. And as I mentioned, Saturday voting is also still there. So, so far, so good. But I mean, uh, with the passage, uh, with the signing of this into law, I mean, the media, national news, the internet has just gone berserk. Conversations about voter suppression, uh, you know, uh, conversations and, and labeling of this legislation as taking us back to Jim Crow days. So what about that? Sure. So the bad of the bill, I, I think um, probably and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about giving water and, and food. I think we should spend a little time there. But yeah. I, think the, the, I think the worst of it actually is that it allows the state to come in and take over local uh, local offices and local local elections. So um, we'll use Fulton County as an example. In Fulton County, we have an elections board. It's run by um, two Republicans, two Democrats and a nonpartisan person. Um, that's they're the ones who kind of oversee it and they hire, they're responsible for hiring somebody to really take care of that. Um, well, now the state could determine, and we don't actually have like metrics for how they determine this. They can just decide to get rid of that elections board and bring in their own person to take over elections in in a particular county. And they can do that for any county that they desire. And they can only take over four at a time. So basically it's an attack on metro counties for the most part. Okay. Um, and and again, these are like local elections. There are elections um, and there are people when you have people who are on the ground who understand the nuances of where to put polling locations. So, you know, if you bring in a person from the state who doesn't understand that southwest Atlanta is really different than north mm -hmm. Atlanta, mm -hmm. um, you know, then we can lose some really important things. So the state takeover of a local elections is a really bad thing that we, we are concerned about. Um, and I don't want to gloss over this ID piece. Um, so having to put down your um, driver's license for those of us who have driver's license or state IDs, sure, no big deal. Um, but for people who are in my congregation, so people who are experiencing homelessness, a number of people who are living with disabilities, um, oftentimes they don't have an ID. So now they have to go through a second step of providing now um, their name, their date of birth and a social security or the last four digits of their social security number. So so it's a, a little it's another step. It's more invasive. It's not easy um, in the way that it has been before. And so. That is a problem. Um, and they didn't include, um, I don't, I'm not sure, Bishop, if you know, but uh, people who I serve, um, they get a voter ID. They don't get a state ID. They get a voter ID. Yeah. Um, and that's not listed as one of the numbers that you can write down uh, to count as an ID. So those voter IDs have been rendered essentially null when it comes to being able to vote by absentee. There are people who would say that the passage of this legislation, uh, you know, there's sort of a direct line between the legislation and sort of backlash uh, about, you know, what happened in the last election here. You know, the Georgia turning blue. Do, do you see that on the ground under the dome? Is that the conversation? Is this are we trying to engineer different uh, different conclusions for future elections? Um, so the preamble to our 98 page bill uh, does spend two pages talking about what many people now refer to as the big lie, um, but it, it talks about restoring confidence in voting um, that the 2021 election had or 2020 
2020 and 2021 election had problems. Um, so it is leaning into that narrative that over and over again has proven to be uh, false. And because now the state will be allowed to certify local elections through that that local takeover process, mm-hmm. uh, there is potential, yes, that um, that we could see some some manipulation of 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 counting or of elections in, in the years to come. So it's not hyperbole. Uh, it would take some finagling, but it, but it does open a door, uh, I think, yeah. to some some broader interference. So if I, you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in this in this last election, we counted uh, all of the votes three times. Is that right? That's right. Three times. Three, three times. And, and, and was not the verdict uh, that it was a safe and fair election? I mean, there were just a few uh, things that needed to get corrected. But uh, didn't we uh, sort of uh, get to the place where we understood that it was a fair uh, and sort of uh, unencumbered election? That's right. That's right. And and I think that, you know, hopefully you'll get a chance to talk to Governor Kemp. He will. Yeah. He has said that himself multiple times that there was no there was no funny stuff that took place in the 2020 election. So so I'm always surprised at, at how legislation gets passed this rapidly. Uh, and so it seems like we were we were really hell bent on solving a problem. But it's it's hard to understand what the problem is that we're solving if in fact we've had three counts and we've we've come up uh, good every time. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. They're trying to solve a problem, which is that people don't believe what you just said. Okay. And, uh, you know, this is a situation where it's like, you know, you can tell, you, I, I don't want to use children as an example because these are grown folks, but, um, you know, uh, here's here's a better example. When I, I threw my back out once and when I threw my back out, I had extreme pain down my leg. So I thought something was wrong with my leg and kept telling the doctor as much. Stop messing with my back. There's something wrong with my leg. And um, no matter what he could say to me and he could show me the you know results on the X-ray, there's sure. something wrong with your leg. But what I felt <laughs> was something was I mean, there's something wrong with my back. But what I felt was there was something wrong with my leg. That's what we have. We yeah. have a group of people in Georgia who believe that there is a problem with the, with the elections. They believe that because they were told over and over again by other people. And so now they feel that in their deepness, in their bones. They are clear there is something wrong with these elections, even though we can show them the scans, we can show them the recounts. Sure. There was nothing wrong. You, you are, you're not only a state Senator, you're not only doing this work on behalf of the people, uh, but you're a minister of the gospel. And, uh, and one of the provisions in the, in the new legislation is about uh, um, making illegal uh, offering people water and or food while they're waiting in line to vote. Now you and I both know, having read the Bible a few times, that uh, to, to, to actually give somebody water in Jesus's name and to pass somebody water uh, who is weary and, and, and about to faint, et cetera, is a godly act. So, right. so, so, so where you are on that, how do you, how do you, how do you uh, weave those two worlds together, your, your, uh, this legislation and your gospel calling? You know, I, I stood in the well on the floor of the Senate and I talked about this provision as being uh, offensive to me as a Southerner who yeah. believes in Southern hospitality, yeah. um, as a pastor and as someone who believes in caring for my neighbor. Um, I do think this is the most un- inhospitable provision that we have. So the bill says that poll workers can provide water to people who are in line. Um, now, if the line is already five hours long, 
nobody wants a poll worker standing out, passing out water. They want a poll worker dealing with getting us through the line, that's right? right? That's right. Um, and the bill does say that independent people can provide water and food. However, you have to be 150 feet away from the edge of the building plus 25 feet away from the line. So what that means practically is that you have to baseball throw the water <laughs> bottle <laughs> from where you are to 25 feet across the line. Or as I noted in the well, um, the person who's already feeling a little faint, already needing a little nourishment, has to crawl their way 25 <laughs> feet away from the line over to get the nourishment that they need. So that's what the, because I want to be clear and honest about what's in the bill. Sure. Yes water can be provided by poll workers who are already overworked um, and it can be provided if you you know have a good aim and can toss it 25 feet so i appreciate it let's just stay there just a second so that's a highly specific provision right so what are we solving there what's the problem we're solving there so my colleagues would tell you that there's no way to guarantee that electioneering is not taking place in exchange for the bottle of water and um, that's what they will say. They're like, well, you don't know what they're saying to people when they give them that food or that water. Um, but the, the problem, of course, with that is that electioneering is already illegal. So people can't wear paraphernalia that has the name of a candidate on it. They can't wear anything um, that and even the water bottles themselves, you know, they can't be donated to you by friends of, you know, Senator Kim Jackson, like that's already illegal. Okay. Um, but they would say, well, we're just making absolutely sure that nobody's being convinced to vote for somebody in exchange for a piece of pizza. Kim, like me, uh, we have a lot in common. Um, we're ordained uh, and you also have a history degree, if I remember right. Is that right? That's correct. And I have a history degree. So, so uh, put your history hat on and, and look at Georgia right now and look at this legislation and, and, and what comes to mind? Yeah, so a, a few things. Um, you know, one of them is that we do have a history in Georgia and, and across the southern states of creating bar barriers to access to the ballot. Right. That is we we had poll taxes. I mean, I'm thinking about um, literacy tests, you know, freedom schools, which I, I ran a modern day freedom school. But a freedom school was initially established because there were literacy tests. And so they created these freedom schools to teach people not only how to read, but also how to recite the preamble of the Constitution, because that was required before you could sign up to vote. Um, and so these kind of barriers where you've got to fill out more paperwork, where um now you you can't just drop your absentee ballot off in a drop box, you know, while rolling your window down. But now you got to get out of your car and go inside of a voting location. It's another barrier. It's a hurdle. Um, and I and I think anytime we put hurdles in the way between them between a voter and the box, um, then yeah, it does remind me very much of of times before us. This is Four People producer Easton Davis. Here to thank you for listening to this week's special edition. For new listeners, we're here every Friday. We'd like to invite all listeners to join us the first week of Eastertide for a very special conversation with Presiding Bishop Michael Curry. We'll see you April 9th. And now, back to four people. So, Kim, uh, I have read and heard in a few places that, uh, that there are some uh, who are going to file suit 
against the state of Georgia who, who want this matter to be reviewed by a, by a higher, higher court. Uh, have you heard that? Yeah, that's right. And in fact, um, there have already been some suits that have been filed that were filed on Friday. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about the process of that. What are what are the, the steps in that process? Right. So there are lawyers who've been standing on deck waiting for to see what the final bill would look like. Um, no, none of us knew. I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I didn't know what the final bill was going to look like until 30 minutes before I had to vote on it. Um, so I got wow. 98 pages. Wow. 98 pages. 30 minutes prior. Um, so you know, I, I actually can only tell you about some of these provisions because I read it afterwards, right? Um, so those those lawyers are, were already standing on deck and have filed. Um, there will be some challenges around the state over of, of elections boards. Um, there'll be challenges, I'm sure. So the other thing that we're seeing happening is that authority is being taken out of constitutional officers. So, um, you know, statewide offices, right? So the governor, uh, the secretary of state. There are people who are concerned that uh, their party won't be able to win a statewide office the next time we run. So they've stripped the powers from that statewide elected and put it into the General Assembly. Um, that'll that'll be that'll be tested as well um, by the courts to say, like, you've got a secretary of state now who can't even preside over the state elections board. Right. Is that really constitutional? So those will make their way through the courts. It'll take a long time uh, to make their ways to the courts, but we may actually see a stay in that we cannot enact the law while it's being reviewed. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the courts. But it could eventually end up in the uh, Georgia Supreme Court. Is that right? And perhaps even beyond. It could even end up in the United States Supreme Court. That's right. And we, we've seen some of that already happen with some some laws in Nevada around. Uh, this is an, an interesting part of the, the law that's there. And there's some nuance that may be lost to some people. But um, if you show up at the wrong precinct to vote right now, um, then you can vote on a provisional yesterday before the bill was passed. You could vote on a provisional ballot and that ballot would count for every single one of the offices in which you were eligible to vote for. Right. So um, let's say you voted the wrong precinct and obviously you could vote for the president no matter where you live, the governor, no matter where you live. But um, it, maybe you voted for a city council member, but you don't live in that district. So they would strike that, but they would count everything else. Uh, this new law would say that you can't vote on a provisional ballot at all. Um, unless it's five o'clock or later on election day and you sign a sworn affidavit saying that I can't make it in time to my proper place. Uh, so essentially we disenfranchise all of those people who showed up um, at the wrong precinct because their precinct got moved or they moved and they didn't know. Right. Um, so but that will be challenged. That will undoubtedly be challenged um, sure. by the courts as well and, and probably will reach the Supreme Court. You know, I've appreciated you being available at, a, at the drop of a hat and to, to sort of walk us through some of this, um, uh, you know, until such time that this is challenged in, uh, in the courts, what would you have us to do? Yeah. So I think the big thing is for when election time rolls around, and I see a lot of things on social media about November 2022. Um, let me remind you all, for many of us, there will be municipal elections in 2021. Um, so when the election time runs rolls around, it's going to be really imperative for us to reach out to our neighbors, to one another, and help people fill out those absentee ballots correctly, if that's how they choose to vote. Um, and also to remind 
people that our elections are still, in fact, fair and free and that people can vote. And so we just need to enable folks. Um, if it's about people want to vote absentee and want to be able to drop their, you know, a ballot off somewhere that's not in the mail, then we just need to help facilitate that by telling people, well, here's where those drop boxes are and they're only open during polling hours. Um, so we just got to do some more, more legwork. But I think that making sure we help people vote um, is our responsibility, not, not telling them who they vote for, but making sure they can vote is, is going to be a heavier lift than normal. But we need to do that work. You know, and that's really a holy thing. As far as I'm concerned, I was so pleased to have gone and voted with all the children that I have who are able to vote. We all went as a family, my wife and I and, and our kids. And it was a holy thing. And it was it was, uh, of course, as a, as a father who's got lots of stories to tell his kids, it was a it was an opportunity for me to remind them of the privilege that they just exercised in that voting was hard won. I mean, people bled and died and lobbied for that. Uh, and, and so, uh, being able to go into that poll and cast a vote, uh, and to walk out and get your little sticker means something more than, you know, just something you put on social media. Uh, it's, it's a contract with the ancestors. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a covenant with, uh, you know, generations yet unborn, right? It is, it is taking up the God given agency that we have to do something that really can move the needle as we just found out, uh, in Georgia. Uh, is there a is there a link or or a place you would direct us to go? Yeah, sure. I encourage people always to check out Fair Fight, um, which is a nonprofit organization that does a lot of this work. They'll be behind a lot of the the lawsuits. Um, Fairfight.org is a, a good place to look. And if you want to read the bill yourself, um, you know there are lots of attorneys I know who listen to this or just curious people, then yeah. you can go on, um, you can go to legis, L-E-G-I-S dot G-A dot G-O-V, and you can find uh, it's SB 202, um, Senate Bill 202, to read it, read it for yourself and to, to catch some of the nuances perhaps that we weren't able to talk about here. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is that our fight to expand the franchise is not over. Um, and I think that's really important to note. So people who are in prison, um, people who are still on paper for be, for for felons, they are disenfranchised, and we can. That has nothing to do about whether or not our vote is secure, right? Um, so we've got some work to do to expand the franchise. Um, we also have some really important work that we can do around making sure that voting is accessible to people who have disabilities. One of the things that I got to hear over and over again was that people who are blind or who have low vision, they can't use our machines very well. Um, they're just not accessible in the ways that they're supposed to be. And so we can stand up and fight for that and say, well, well, let's let's change that. If we can't change the machine, then we at least provide some provisions for them to be able to bring in their own readers to, to connect to those machines so that people can vote, that they can vote freely without assistance, without having to have somebody watch who they vote for in the same way that you and I who can see can do. So there's there are other things that we need to work on um, to really continue to expand the franchise for people who've often been left out. This has been Four People with the Reverend Senator Kim Jackson. Kim, thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and to talk about such an important piece of legislation. God bless you. Blessings to you.